I do, I do have an accent. Um, I may sound funny to some of you, but I just want to let you know that some of you sound funny to me too. So we're two or more are gathered in agreement. We're going to do great things. I am honored to be here. I really am. Gareth Nicola, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. But first and foremost, I thank the Lord and I will preach and I will share my heart today like it's the last time I'm ever going to preach because it could be. Well, it most certainly could be the last time I'm invited back here. So I'm going to give it everything, everything I've got. I'm going to use this opportunity and I'm going to live for Christ in this moment. I just want, Jen, can you just stand up and give everyone a wave? This is my beautiful wife. <clears throat> Jen and I were ministering in South Africa a number of years ago when a pastor introduced Jen and I to the stage. And he introduced us like this. He said, I see Andrew and Jen as two parts of a car. For those of you who don't know, which is everyone except Gareth and Nicola, um, I used to be a test driver for Range Rover. So I thought this is going to be interesting. He kind of knows where I come from. And he said, I see Andrew and Jen as two parts of a moving car. He said, I see Jen as the engine and Andrew as the exhaust. <laughs> he said, I see Jen getting Andrew where he needs to be and Andrew making the noise. Occasionally backfiring. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't preach my best message after that introduction. No, I did. I had great fun. But guys, we are happy to be here. And I have a great message, I believe, to share with you. And it's so interesting. Is John still here? There he is, my, my dear friend at the back there. John, it's so interesting, my friend, uh, that I'm coming here just before <clears throat> Love Storford. Guys, this region needs to know the love of Jesus. And that love of Jesus is in you. He saved you. He set you free. He loves you. He raised you back to life. And everyone needs to know the eternal truth. So John, the message that I'm bringing, I think just ties directly into what you're, you're, you're endeavoring to achieve in the Lord here. And I know you well enough, even though we've only met a few times, I know you well enough to know, to know you, to know that. If God doesn't show up, we won't pull this off. And I'm standing with you, my friend, and I'm standing with each and every one of you, and I'm gonna join my faith with yours and believe that this will be a successful event that leads into a life following Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me get into this scripture. Oh, yes, before I do, some of you, I always forget this. It's not, not, I know I'm from Liverpool, but I'm not that good of a salesman. <laughs> and this did not come off the back of a lorry, I can assure you. 13 years ago, it might have, but that's a different story. Okay, so we sell these, okay? During the lockdown, everything was just got a little bit crazy. Racial tension, medical tension, political tension. Everyone was locking arms with each other with their own opinions. And the Lord impressed on Jen and I to release a clothing company called OthersMerch.co. And what this is, it is exactly that. It is the scripture, Luke 6, 31. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. My mother, I wasn't born and raised in a Christian family, but my mother, I believe, used to quote that scripture. It was a little bit different. It was in a Scouse translation, okay? And it went like this, treat people the way you want to be treated, lad. Yeah. 
That's kind of how it went. And I think it sounds like do unto others as you'd have them do to you. And I think as the church, we should do unto others as we'd have them do to, to us. And actually, we should be the ones who set the bar and set the example because we know who the example is. We follow him. We imitate him as we go. So if any of you guys want to purchase one, we've sold hundreds of them. We give 10% of our profits to charity, Bibles in the Middle East, homes in South America, orphanages, the tear fund, food bank, families who don't even go to church. So please, if you want to help us, help them, purchase one of them. Now let me get into eternal life. I want to read some scripture to you, okay? I'm going to be reading from the NIV, but it will sound like I'm reading from the RSV, but it is the NIV. It's the new international version, but it will sound like the real Scouse version. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do anything about that. It's just who I am. Okay, so let me read some scripture to you and then I'm gonna dive into this and I hope and I pray to God that each and every one of you are shaken and shook and provoked and stared and irritated and loved and pushed out the doors in the slipstream of the Holy Ghost or otherwise I'm gonna wanna come back and do it all over again. Okay, so if you don't, feel that. Just say, yes, you did, okay? Because I'll probably come back and have a second go at it. Okay, so I want you guys to, I want to stir up the gifts within you and I want to send us out because I'm telling you right now, there's a lost world out there who are dying, dying, and they need to hear the truth that we've so wonderfully received ourselves, okay? None of us saved ourselves. It was all through faith by grace, Jesus. He done it all for us, okay? So they need to know that. So let me read these scriptures to you. And I want you to repeat some words with me, okay? Only four. I will make it perfectly clear what words, so don't worry, okay? And we're gonna read 10 verses, then we're gonna unpack them, and then we're gonna go after it and believe for God to touch us. Because if he doesn't, well, I don't know what will happen, but I want him to. And we're going to read from Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. And some of you who are well-learned and well-read, you, you already know I'm going to be talking about a woman with an issue of blood. And some of you may say, that's typically not the message an evangelist will bring. Well, I want you to know that this is such a beautiful message. And I believe as I unpack this, as the Lord's revealed it to me, I believe that you may learn something new. As I have, as the Lord's revealed it to me, you may receive something and you may hear this in a way that you've never heard before. Some of you, some of you may have heard this exactly preached the same as I'm about to. But what I do know is there's life on these words and that God will do something. Okay, here we go. And a certain woman, say certain, a certain woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all the money she had. Yet, instead of getting better, her situation became worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Say immediately. immediately. 
thank you. Her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body as if she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Say, who touched me? Wonderful, thank you. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at the feet of Jesus, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, say daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This passage blows my mind. I don't know this woman's name. I don't know her name, but today and forevermore, she will be known as daughter. Do we have any daughters of the king in here? Amen. Do we have any sons? Amen. Amen. You know, I was preaching at a conference in London the other week and I said, do we have any daughters of the king here? And I was trying to pr provoke people to put their hands up and I put mine up. And in this world and in this time of day, you've got to be very careful when you do that. <laughs> uh, people looked at me as if to say, oh boy, identity crisis. I was like, oh no, I'm just encouraging the women to put their hands up. Hey ho. So they have this woman, this woman whose life is changed immediately. The word immediately, you said it, right? It's in the Bible. Immediately her life changed. I don't know her name, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to go looking for her. It's Jake, right? Jake, I'm going to go looking for her. I want to find her and I say, first of all, what's your name? Second of all, I want you to know that you've become an inspiration to me and you've become a hero of mine. Please, given we're in eternity and we're in eternal life, please take your time. I'm in no rush. Can you tell me about this encounter you had? Because this woman teaches me so much about faith, about perseverance, about pushing through obstacles. She is a hero of mine. She is blazing the way for us evangelists. And I look at it. But before I get into this, I want to take you on a little bit of a story. Let me just take you on a little bit of a backstory. Jesus gets in a boat and he heads to the other side of the lake. And there he's confronted by a demon-possessed man. He speaks to the demons and casts those demons into a, the pigs. The pigs run into the lake, they drown. Jesus gets back into the same boat and heads back over to the other side of the lake. Where there he's confronted by a crowd of people. Inside of that crowd of people, there's a synagogue leader called Jarius. Jarius has a 12-year-old daughter who is about to die. He pleads with Jesus, come and, say, come and heal my daughter. Jesus takes compassion and he starts to make his way towards Jarius' daughter. Demon-possessed man just been set free from a spoken word from the word himself. Cast them demons into the pigs. Gets back in a boat, heads over to the other side of the lake, on his way to heal Jarius' daughter and gets rudely interrupted. I want you to know, guys, that sometimes when you're interrupted, please don't presume it's rudely. Please presume that someone's life could be depending on you accepting to be interrupted in your daily walk. This woman sees Jesus. My question is, 
How did she know she was there? It tells us in verse 25, a certain woman, unnamed that woman. Verse 25, deemed unclean. We know in that law, the Leviticus law, anyone bleeding longer than they should was deemed unclean. As a matter of fact, any woman bleeding on a regular cycle was deemed unclean for that period of time. And if you touched her, you was deemed unclean. And everything she touched was deemed unclean. The door handle, the hedge, the hem of the bed, the pots, the pans, everything she touched in that season was deemed unclean. But yet this woman bled for 12 years. Now, the very first time I heard of social distancing was not so long ago. This woman knew what social distancing was on steroids. 12 long years, no one went near her. No one went near her. No one embraced her. This woman was in a dark and lonely place. She was known in the community as the unclean woman. Okay, so when all this blew up, all of this COVID stuff, don't worry guys, I'm not coming here to, to stress my opinion on any of that stuff. But I was in Hong Kong, okay? I was in New Zealand. And then I flew home from Hong Kong and then I just about got back into the country. And I didn't know that the masks were mandated. I didn't know that we had to wear them in public places. And I was in a supermarket. And I was walking up aisle nine. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't look dangerous. I had frozen peas to my left and San Marco pizzas to my right. Like this wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't look a threat to anyone, okay? And as I was walking down this aisle, a young lady with her two children seen me and I had no idea that I was supposed to wear a mask. And she grabbed the kids. <gasps> I put them behind her. I walked backwards. Now, am I saying I know what this woman feels like? Well, no. But I have this inkling of what it seems like for someone to think you're a dangerous, diseased threat. Okay? Just aisle nine in a supermarket. It wasn't as hostile as this poor lady. Okay, so this woman was on her own for 12 years. No community around her. It said that she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Now, is this the time for a man of faith to speak against the medical world? Absolutely not. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for anesthetists too. I had a compound fracture. My jawbone came out and I popped all the loaded teeth out. And I can remember being on the operating table, sister. And I can remember the doctor saying, he's gone, he's asleep. And the anaesthetist said, no, he's not. Thank goodness for anaesthetists. Okay? Inside, Nicola, I was going, I'm awake, I'm awake. Thank goodness for the medical world. So I'm not speaking against the medical world, but this woman had a tough and torrid time with the medical world at this time. It said that this woman had spent all the money she had, so now not as she only violated again, as much as my pale face and fair skin can cope without going red, she wasn't bleeding from her thumbs, okay? So she was violated, she was then doctors were doing whatever they were doing and she was spending all her money and her life sister was getting worse, not better. She'd spent all of her money and yet her life was getting better. She became physically worse, emotionally worse, financially worse. The situation was hopeless. Verse 27, doesn't take long, it says she heard. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Okay, so as an evangelist, someone who travels extensively, Teaching, training, equipping the body of Christ in soul winning. Bro, the first thing I want to know is who told her. I want to learn from him or her. 
who told this woman when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and touched his cloak. I have no idea who told her. I've got this sneaky feeling if it was someone living in Bishop Storford, it could have quite possibly have been someone from Community Church, Bishop Storford, CCBS. There's a long story about that, guys. I won't, I won't go into it. Let me have a fact, I will. Somebody said to me, I see you speaking, at, you're ministering at CCBS. I was like, no. They went, you are. I said, I'm not. I said, I've never heard of the place. He said, well, it's on your website. I said, crikey, is it? So it looked like this. Lo and behold, it's community church. I was like, yeah, of course, I'm speaking at CCBS. Yeah. Guys, I have no idea that, that you abbreviated this name, but I can imagine, I can imagine that someone in this place was the one who told it. Can I just ask you a question, not in a prideful manner, not in an arrogant manner, just in a faith manner. If that was the woman and she lived here, who amongst you would want it to have been you who told it? Okay, about 12 of you. <laughs> Listen, guys, I know 12 is a biblical number, but can we just blast that out the, out the park just for a moment? Okay, okay. So when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and touched his cloak. Let me tell you what I believe was happening here. This woman was in her hut, in her home, closed doors, closed windows, 12 years, broken, lonely, isolated, desperate, financially broke, emotionally spent, physically in need, spiritually broken. I believe that people like you guys would have been at the edge of that lake going, here he is, here he is. People going, where's he been? Where's Jesus been? Do you know the demon-possessed man? Do you know crazy man across the lake who chains cannot even hold? Jesus has just spoken to him, spoken to the demons within him and they're now in the pigs and they've all drowned. You are messing. No, well, what's he doing now? Do you know Jarius' daughter? Jarius' daughter who's dying? Yeah, he's on his way to heal her. I believe people like you with faith would have filled the atmosphere with testimonies of what Jesus is doing in the region. I'm telling you right now that when we share what God is doing, people get to hear about it. So often or not, we share... I'm, don't hear me wrong. Please continue to share testimonies in the house of God. It's a biblical thing. Keep sharing them. But please share the same amount in the world. Tell the people about him. Be in it, but not of it. So I believe people would have heard that Jesus is in town. The healer is in town. And all of a sudden it says, when she heard. When she heard. Can you imagine? 12 years of darkness, brokenness. Isolation. Absolute desperation. Hopelessness. I just want to press pause there. I've known the Lord for 12 years, six months. Before I met him, I was a cocaine addict. I was an alcoholic. I was a self-harmer. And I was living on and off the streets of Liverpool. I know what brokenness looks like. 
I know what loneliness looks like. I know what being ignored looks like. I didn't know a single believer until 12, month, 12 years, six months ago. I didn't even know my wife. I met my wife in church when I was a good boy. <laughs> Debatable, but you get what I mean. I know what it's like, bro. I know what it's like to be hopeless. I know what it's like to have no future ahead of me. There is always a future, but it looks dark. I had two failed suicide attempts. Nobody told me about Jesus. And I live in the United Kingdom. I live in Great Britain. I believe both of them are prophetic declarations over this nation. One day we'll be both. A nation, a kingdom that's united. And Britain, which is great. Nobody told me. Jake, and then one day I heard, bro. One day I heard. January the 21st, 2010, I was a cocaine addict, alcoholic, self-armor, suicidal, manically depressed. I moved into a Christian discipleship center, had no idea what to expect. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know the tomb was empty. I didn't know there was this many crazies following Jesus <laughs> in the world, let alone in Bishop Storford. I didn't even know Bishop Storford existed, especially CCBS. <clears throat> I didn't even know that place existed. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know my wife. I didn't know a single believer. And I was in a dining room in a bungalow in Witness. Can it get any more glamorous? <laughs> and I was about to have my first Bible study. And a gentleman walked in. I didn't even own a Bible. I'd never been to church. Didn't know people lifted up their hands in worship. Didn't know there was electric guitars. Where's the drummer? Where's the drummer? Didn't know there was people like you getting really excited behind the screen. <laughs> Do you see him? Can I just say something here? And this is not to be humorous. I just want to say this, and I don't know what significance it has. I couldn't see who was playing drums because it was my wonderful... It was you. You was here playing, and you was obstructing my view, which is cool because my eyes are meant to be on Jesus, not the drummer. No, no problem. And I could just... I, we have a drummer in our family. My Jen's brother's six foot six, 20 stone, and a drummer. He, he can hit them hard. And I just had my eyes closed and I was, I was just feeling the beats of the drum. And I don't know what significance this is. <laughs> and as you was leading worship, I just looked around and I expected to see an 18-year-old young man. <laughs> no, guys, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> and I just, want, I just sense that there's such a youth in you that the Lord's put in you. You was playing like a teenager. Like a couple more revved up songs. They would have been snot bubbles everywhere, I'm sure of it. But I just want you to know the Lord just absolutely loves you and he's put a youth in you and you've got many, many, many years ahead of you. And I know you're probably only 50 something anyway, but that's besides, like, you're like, of course, naturally you've got many years, but I just sense there's a real youth that the Lord's gonna keep pouring into you, mate. God bless you, man. <clears throat> So here I am, I'm in this dining room in witness, cocaine addict wanting to die on the spot. Well, I did, but I didn't expect it the way it was going to happen. I went into this Bible study wanting to die. 
that very day. And a man walked in at 9.16 a.m. The Bible study was supposed to start at 9.15. And of course, true to Christian form, he was a minute fashionably late. And he walked into this room and there was nine of us around a table. They'd all lived there for many months, many, some even years. And he walked in and he said, somebody in here wants to give their life to Jesus now. And I knew it was me. I said, Jesus, if you are real, if, the audacity, if you are real, save me. And the hands of God touched me, baptized me in the Holy Ghost and in fire. And out of my mouth came this heavenly language. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know a single believer except those eight who I'd known for three days. God delivered me, moved nine years of addictions out of my body instantly, removed torment, removed anxiety, removed stress, removed the spirit of suicide out of my life. 9.15 a.m., cocaine snorting, self-harming, suicidal alcoholic. 9.16 a.m., born again, set free, washed by the blood of Jesus. Brought into the right mind. And then, and then I had to read the Bible to see what had happened to me. Some people say praying in tongues is not for today. I'm not going to get into theological debates because uh, you'll probably all win and you'll end up changing what I think. Okay, so <laughs> some people say praying in tongues is not for today. I didn't imitate it, Jake. I'd never been to church. Brother, listen to me. The very first person I ever heard praying in tongues was me. <laughs> Trust me, guys, that was, that was crazy. The very first person I ever heard praying in tongues was me. Can you imagine being that person? And in 60 seconds, my sister, becoming this person. I went into that room wanting to die. And I came out knowing I was going to live forever and wanted to throw a party. This is what the gospel does to this woman. She hears Jesus and she makes her way to him. She thinks if I can just touch him, if I can just touch him, she peels back the door. Granted, not a bungalow and witness, but she's over in the Middle East and she pulls back this door and she sees him. She sees him. Can you imagine? She sees him. There he is. I need to go and touch him now. But she has a major problem. She has obstacles everywhere. Do you know what the obstacles is? Humanity. She has people who she can't touch because they will probably, I don't know the law too much, they will probably have stoned her. But now she needs us to go touch the cornerstone and she sees these obstacles. She sees these obstacles and yet she makes her way to him despite them, stealth-like, probably hood of, and she moves forward because she thinks if I can just touch him, I will be set free because she heard faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. The word became flesh. So our flesh can imitate the word. And Jesus is there and she sees him and she thinks, boy, oh boy, I'm gonna grab this right now. And she makes her way to him and she touches him. (gasps) Jesus 
feels this power leave him. So much so he wants to know, who touched me, Jake? Who touched me? Many of the disciples say, probably Peter. It says disciples. So if it was disciple, I'd probably blame Peter. But it doesn't say disciple. It says disciple. So a number of them. Lord, all of these people around you and you want to know. He's like, who touched me? The woman, knowing what she did, came and fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. Jesus felt power leave him. And yet there was many people touching him. Why wasn't he, like a, why wasn't he just like lightning bolts touching everyone? Someone, one, felt power had gone from him when this woman touched him. Let me tell you why I believe this, okay? We can debate this all day long, but it's just my opinion, that's all. Let me tell you why I believe this. Because I believe that kind of power can only be extracted by faith. She simply believes, so much so, she, despite the obstacles, guys, there's obstacles on Bishop Storford in this beautiful, beautiful town, village, whatever it is. It's gorgeous, but there's obstacles and it's called people. It's called us. <laughs> and yet sometimes we become the biggest mountain in our own way. So each morning I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to cast your flesh into the sea. Get out my way. Look in the mirror and say, see you, you're no good to me, the flesh. I cast you into the sea today. That mountain, get out the way. I'm going to tell people about Jesus, this woman. She touches Jesus. Jesus said, who touched me? Now, again, we'll have the theologians amongst us who may say, well, Jesus may not have known who touched her, but I believe he did. I believe he's about to do something. I believe he's about to expose her. Who touched me, if you can imagine? Just dream with me, guys. Let's go on an Andrew Cannon journey, okay? So he picks it up. Who touched me? The whole village now know who's touched them. Who touched me? The one who has been kicked out of the community is now in the community and lifted up. Who touched me? Jesus is looking at them all going, you brood of vipers. Who touched me? This one. He puts her down. Could Jesus be saying, who amongst you is pleasing to the Father? Because without faith, it's impossible to please the God. The Father, this one. She's pleasing to the Father. Jesus exposes her because he wants the community to now know what he's about to do. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He lifts her up and says, she is free. She is healed. Now go in peace. She can brush up against any one of you now. She can break bread, she can buy wine, she can whatever she wants to do. Cafe Nero, anything she wants to do. It was busy up there this morning. I'm integrating it, I'm releasing it back into the community, healthy, spiritually alive. This is what the gospel does. It takes people. We read some words and you said some words. Listen to this. We said together, where are you? We said a certain woman, a no-named woman, that one, 
Then we said immediately because her bleeding stopped. Then we said, who touched me? Then we said, daughter. Okay, this is the gospel. We go from being certain people, nobodies who no one knows except the Lord. Okay? Then we touch him. We become identified people. And then we leave as sons and daughters. Verse 20, verse 30, let me just get this, sorry. Verse 25, a certain woman. Verse 33, an identified woman. Verse 34, a daughter. 10 verses, nobody, somebody, daughter. Go in peace, be freed from your suffering and go and tell the world what I've done. This is what the gospel does. It takes certain people who the community don't even name or appreciate and it brings them to Jesus. And Jesus touches them like this scouse kid 12 and a half years ago. And he set a fire within me. Luckily enough, I couldn't shut up then and I still can't now. That bit didn't really change. I just speak a lot more about Jesus than I ever have. And he grabs people from the sidelines and he brings them into the village square. And he says, this one, this one by faith I've set free. And I'm going to lift them up as they lift me up. And as I lift them up and as they lift me up. And I want the village to come and touch me so they can be freed and go in peace as sons and daughters. As she touched him, her whole life changed, her situation changed, her social status changed, her loneliness evaporated, her body was healed, her financial situation would have changed, her family would have been reconciled, her shame and torment disappeared, her whole life changed. Why? I'll tell you why. Because she heard. She heard that Jesus was in town. And my sister, I still don't know who told her. And typically when we blame people, it has a negative connotation, but I'm going to blame you. I'm blaming you today. You told her. Guilty as charged. But do you see what it does? It puts a smile on your face because deep down you want to be the one. So do I but it wouldn't bother me if it was anyone else, as long as one of us did it. Gareth, you're guilty as charged too, sir. Nicola, in a good way, you get what I mean. Typically, the word guilty, flying around church, pointing at people as a guest minister, can go a little bit squirrely. Ah, oh, you might as well be as well. Yeah. See, it does this. It is moved, she smiled that much. It is went up. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm guilty. I want to be guilty of being the one who told it. We all need to tell people about Jesus. We did some evangelism training, if we can call it training. We did some evangelism time together. Yesterday we went out and there was many people giving many testimonies. Some had lots of testimonies to share. It's wonderful. Why? It's because we go out and we tell people about Jesus. Guys, I want you to know this. I want you to know this deep, deep down. The man who led me to the Lord, his name is Ian Aiken. I caught up with him not so long ago. We go for breakfast three or four times a year. And he sits and he sits quite quiet because he knows that I talk a lot. 
He always asks a question. He says, Andrew, what's the Lord been doing through you? And I get to tell him all of these stories of all the nations Jen and I have been to, 50, 60 flights a year. And I get to tell him whilst I'm eating a breakfast. And I look at him and he just smiles. He was the man who was brave enough to trust the truth, to tell me about it. He had no idea what was going to happen, as in how my life was going to pan out after it. But that's not his responsibility in, in a sense. His responsibility was to tell me the truth and let the truth do the work. And I get to tell him that I've been to Australia, New Zealand, Africa. Do we have any Nigerians in the house? Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. Yep. I'd say this with the greatest level of respect. That you are different than us. <laughs> and I say that with the greatest level of respect. I went to, an, I went to preach at an at a RCCG church, a Redeemed Christian Church of God church in The Hague. And the pastor introduced me to the platform at 20 to 12 at night. Yep. And he introduced me for 40 minutes. <laughs> I said, guys, listen, when I'm in Nigeria, they call me the white Nigerian. I'm with my people, okay? So listen. And I said, only in an African church can you be invited to the platform on Friday and minister on Saturday? <clears throat> the very first time I went to Africa, okay, I, uh, it was a number of years ago, I went to Ranha Bonke's Farewell Crusade. And that's where I actually answered the call to full-time evangelism was on the mission, on the crusade field in Lagos. I've had the privilege of ministering in the Glory Dome with Pastor Paul and Eche and all of these places. And the very first time I went there, I, they gave me because I've always heard of these stories of how God moves in Africa, right? And I went there and, and I was by this kitchen and I was looking and they were boiling, they were frying this stuff up. And I looked across and it was bananas this big. And I thought, Shh, you know what, you're here like two men had to carry the cluster of the grapes in Numbers, Numbers 13. I thought, surely this is God's country. <laughs> the size of those bananas. <laughs> this big it looked like an arm it was plantain okay I say all this to say that the reason the, what prompted me to, I went the long way round to say the reason why I've got this is because this flannel is I went to Africa and I asked God to open up my heart he did he also opened up my sweat glands I've never sweated so much <laughs> since I went there but guys let me tell you something why I'm sharing some stories because I am so happy I am full of joy. I have a 13-year-old daughter, and I say, Laurie, who's your dad? Do you know what she says? The happiest man alive. Why am I the happiest man alive? Oh, by the way, Gareth, you can be too. It's not a competition. It's a posture. You can too. It's not a competition. I'm not saying that I'm happier than anyone else in here, but I'm saying I'm the happiest I can possibly be. 
And I'm sharing this because I want you to know that despite when I'm ministering, when I'm up there or not, God has changed my life. God has changed my life. This is what we're going to do because I know we're wrapping this up at 12 o'clock and I know people are going to leave. Gareth warned me, if people leave, it's not because they're bored of you. I said, well, let's not be too presumptuous, God. <clears throat> this is what I want you to do. For those who are staying here, just give me one more minute of your time. Can we just go on a little journey? Promise. It'll take one minute. Actually, it's going to take three. Lord, forgive me for lying. It's going to take three minutes and we're going to be done. I want everyone to just close their eyes. Just take a deep breath. Just settle your spirit. Settle yourself. Just settle yourself. Throw your whole life into these four, three, or, three or nine minutes. <laughs> I want you to picture Jesus on the boat and he's making his way to the shore and you're there with a crowd of people. And just over your left shoulder is the house where that woman with the issue of blood lives. Jesus is getting a little bit closer to the shore now and there's his boat and the people are getting rather excited. He steps out of the boat and you're there with the people and your spirit is leaping. You're getting so excited. And you know that that woman is there and she's bleeding and she's lonely and she's broken. Now, I want you to bring that into your present day right now and I want you to look back from Monday to now. And I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to be honest with yourself. Was you the one who told her? Or do you think you was the one who stepped back and let somebody else do it. Be honest with yourself. Did you tell her? Or someone else? Now, if you're that person who let somebody else do it, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. If you was the one who stepped back and let someone else do it, the way to know whether you is that person is look at the last month you've lived. By the way, guys, this is extremely encouraging. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for you. And in your spirit, like this woman, I want you to walk forward. You don't have to physically walk forward. You can if you want. But spiritually, posture yourself and reach out and touch him for that thing that you need that's going to help you become more vocal in your faith that's going to help you become more bold. I want you to reach out and I want you to take it and the Lord is going to know that you have touched him. So Father God, I ask you, and as you guys pray, you guys pray your personal prayer for that thing that you need. 
Father God, I pray for each and every one in this room who wants to grow in boldness, to grow in accurate words of knowledge. I pray, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us in here was that person who told the woman with the issue of blood. I pray, Lord, that they heard, she heard us and that we, we were the people who told her. So as you just believe now, I just release an impartation of boldness. Father God, for every soul that I've won for you, I pray that each person in here wins 10 more. For every opportunity of an altar call I've had, I pray that they have 10 more. For every disciple that Jen and I have raised, I pray that this per- the people in here raise up 10 more. I release a measure of faith, a measure of boldness over each and every one of you. And I pray that Bishop Storford will be known as a town or a village that is known for loving Jesus. And I pray that this high street be like it's paved with gold and that when people know it it's like they're walking in heaven itself so I pray for each and every one of you right now and I pray for the evangelism team I pray for the leadership and I pray for each and every member of this church that God will use you mightily in Jesus mighty name amen you take your seats guys you take your seats We're going to be wrapped up now, okay? This is what I sense to do. I don't normally do it this way. I normally do it publicly and give an altar call. But this is what I sense to do, and I'm not to do what I'm to do, right? I'm to do what the Lord wants me to do. Trust me, you don't want me to do what I want to do, <laughs> okay? Because we'll just be here till 10 o'clock tonight. This is what I want you to do. Those people who've just walked into the room, and everyone who's been in the room, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and you want me to tell you some more about Jesus, and if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, please, if you're born again and you're walking with the Lord, just give it some space. Let those who may not know Him come and speak to me, because I want to speak to them, okay? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you're just swaying in your faith, I want you to come and see me after this service. I'm gonna be over there helping my wife. Okay, and after I've led you to Jesus, I'll probably hard sell you a hoodie. (laughs) If you don't want a hoodie, it probably means you don't want Jesus. I'm just kidding. I said it was the last time I might get to preach here. I'm going to go out on my shield, okay? Guys, listen to me. I'm being very serious. I would be blessed so much if you took me up on this offer to let me tell you about if you don't know.